gavel this to, to order then. Um, Ellie Manis, <laughs> I appreciate you joining me today. I do want a caveat because What's everyone that? gets it wrong. It is Mains. Mains. Oh, it is. Great. Well, then it's, we'll, yeah. we'll read it's, it, don't, don't be ashamed. A lot of people get it wrong. Like close friends of mine get it wrong. So I, including yourself. So I have no idea. I never would have thought that, but that's okay. All right. Well, let's, let's start over then. How's that sound? We'll, that's fine. We'll totally fine. It. We'll gavel this back to order. Ellie Mains, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I appreciate you joining me today. Um, this is this is your first time on the podcast with me, or second, or third? I don't remember. First time on your podcast. First time, okay. Um, Ugh, and I never, like actually reveal these to the masses because I never know who sees what. Mm-hmm. I do run like three D and D podcasts, which will not be made, named. So it's, it's not my first time. Fantastic, but D and D as in Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Yeah. All right. We'll start off with a big old. All my nerd alarms are going off over here, but you're in yeah. good. You're in good company. I'm. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a new. I'm a novice gamer myself. I'm. Uh, oh, cool. I'm into Breath of the Wild right now. Oh. And uh, good game. I just good got game. my just got my paraglider. Learned how to mount a horse. I'm killing it right now. Um, oh man, you need to play that if I do come out this summer because yes. that'll be real funny. <laughs> well, I love um, this. I appreciate you joining me today, and you and I have been texting. We've known each other for a few years now. Um, you are, we'll just sort of say some obvious things. You're, you are a recent graduate from the University of Akron, or you are about to graduate? Uh, so I'm a recent graduate. Uh, I just finished my degree in percussion performance um, at Akron in December. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a double major for a little while, not to get super into backstory, but I was uh, I was at a, a high school in the area that was like really Akron heavy and it's music. Um, and it was kind of a carbon copy. So mm-hmm. Akron was kind of intuitive to me a little bit. Mm. Um, I was literally just talking about this with somebody yesterday. It just kind of feels like it's my backyard. Mm. Like mm-hmm. it just, um, which I'm really realizing now that I'm going back for my graduate's degree, which is super cool. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I was, I was music ed and percussion performance for three and a half years and then COVID hit and I had to take some time off for some mental health stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was actually not to get into it yet, but that was part of my transition mm-hmm. was being and taking some time for myself because I transitioned uh, gender around that time. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so basically all that happened and I came back as percussion performance, graduated in a few quick semesters and um, now I'm back at Akron for my graduate degree because some things wound up working out the right way. The university just kind of pointed me back home, um, which is cool. So I'll be doing music ed there with a license ship so I can actually be a band director soon. Cause I've been doing a lot of like mm-hmm. side work, but also teaching in the kind of private, like, uh, Oh God, what's the word I'm looking for? Freelancing aspect mm-hmm. where I'm just kind of going into schools to do stuff, but yeah. on my own volition so yeah yeah that's that's me in a nutshell awesome well i what i mean you you sort of hinted at it one of the one of the sort of um impetuses impeti impetuses whatever the catalyst for our for our conversation was that you did transition genders um and you know you and i have been texting you just sort of my own insecurity about talking in a public forum about you know this issue and when i say sorry i when i say this issue as if it's like some like thing to be afraid of or not like I'm just, um, I'm going to stumble over myself a lot and ask some dumb questions, Ellie, and I appreciate you being uh, being uh, a good sport and being willing to have the conversation with me because I think a lot of the fear I have or anxiety I have around it is um, not appropriate, 
you know, just like the idea that I'm afraid to have a conversation with somebody that I know well and trust and, you know, admire in many respects. It's like, so anyway, I appreciate you, I, I appreciate you being willing to, to use this time with me here. Um, that said, anything I say, if I say something that's like off base or not the right link, uh, lexic, uh, not the right terminology, please correct me. Um, just so yeah. I make sure we're I think, forward. I think to get, just all the the jitters out of the way a little bit that I might be sensing and was when I was text when we were texting about this is and I'll I'll try my best to not soapbox a ton you know me pretty well I'm pretty soapboxy sometimes and uh, but yeah no I think that it, it's my big thing and you can't expect this everything I say today will be with a grain of salt because you meet one trans person one queer person whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. uh, you've met one. And there's no, right, right. there's no correlation, which makes it scary. And I understand that. And mm-hmm. your fear is valid, but not necessary. And I think the biggest thing of coming, overcoming that is just doing what you're doing and just being like, not asking me to teach you, but I, I should also caveat that I reached out to you wanting to do this. So, mm-hmm. because it was a while back, I planted the seed. I don't know if you remember, remember yeah, it, yeah. but mm-hmm. like, it, it's kind of, I, you know, you can't compare the plights, but I compare it to the whole, you can't expect uh, black people or people of color to educate you on the things that you need to be educated on. So you can be anti-racist. It's, it's kind of the same thing. Like you don't want to expect us to do it because it's exhausting, but there are a few lucky people like myself that have the teacher blood in them that just want to go forth and tell everybody everything about it. Cause I'm preachy. Um, and just be like, look, this is a good thing. It's it's part of what I like to do as an activist is push the fact that the the further you understand these things, even if you're an ally, the better you start to understand life and people and yourself. No matter what where you're coming from, if you really open your mind up and just try to understand this stuff, it it will better things. It's it's not mm-hmm. that difficult. Um, I quoted something that I heard from. I'm going to blank on the guy's name, and I should plug him. Um, but he wrote a book about, I'm sorry, it's not a guy, it's a female. See, now I'm zipping up and that's fine. And you can just correct yourself. Don't have to dwell on it. Um, uh, she wrote a book about the experience as a transgender individual. Um, and she quoted the Buddha in saying that the root of all evil is in naming something that which it is not. And Mm. that's where I'm getting a little preachy, but that really is, if you really boil it down, almost all problems can be rooted to a perception of something that it is not. And it, it's, it's deeper than just terminology. It's perception. Do you mm-hmm. perceive me as female? And that's a scary subject for some people because they never think like, Oh, I just don't. And like, that's not, it's not that that's wrong. However you perceive me is however you perceive me. It's kind of like your opinion, mm-hmm. but it does affect how we interact. Like I, I have a different day and I'm lucky to live in Northeast Ohio where it's pretty easy, but I have a different day. Um, notably if I'm wearing makeup or not, mm-hmm. like I can have a good day just by wearing makeup, which is awesome. That's cool. But there's some really messed up stuff about that in our society that it's like, that well, should, that shouldn't be how it is, but okay. Um, so yeah. And a little bit to clear some things about me. I, um, was, uh, born with male body parts. I, I'll kind of refrain from talking about the anatomy stuff today, but I will kind of say that's like, you know, that's referred to as uh, like male to female transitioning. Mm-hmm. Um, FDF is where you see that or female to male. Mm-hmm. Again, um, if you're listening to this, I'm guessing you have the education to know at this point that and it's I, I shouldn't assume, but I'm just going to say let's let's yeah. let's let's say let's have our safe default be not assuming that I know anything. I mean, I feel like I have a lot of experience and I've known, you know, I've known a, the first transgender person I knew or I met was 
probably 2006. Um, and, uh, they were in seminary with my wife. And so okay. I feel like I've, it's been in my world a long time, but, but to me, the thing that has been confusing is the, the, uh, the speed with which the terminology changes to adapt to whatever, um, the current climate, the current climate is. And what was terminology in 2006 is now completely different. In yeah. a way, or it's different enough where I'm like I, I'm hesitating, and I like that that sort that's really where my fear comes from is like not I, I'm just not good at keeping up with the language. And as far as soapboxes are concerned, I started a podcast, so I love soapboxes. So you're you're in good company here. Yeah, I'm, I'm still overcoming. I only recently started publishing my podcast work, mm-hmm. so I'm still coming that little thing in my head that's like you shouldn't be talking right now. You're talking too much, and the whole point of this is for people to listen to me, and mm-hmm. so you know. That's that's kind of how it is. Um, well, I was going to say something that had to do with what we were just talking about. Oh, yeah. No, if I go into a subject a little bit too much, just to kind of caveat for you, um, feel free to let me know if it's like something that you want me to kind of go back to. Mm-hmm. Just bug me because it's hard. It's hard for me to autism plus doing Zoom. It's hard for me to like I, I am actually autistic. I'm not making a joke. Um, it's kind of difficult for me to figure out when I should talk sometimes. I, so just listen, I totally understand. <laughs> totally understand. And if I speak over you, it's, it's only me just making an attempt to um, talk over the delay in Zoom. But which, which leads me yeah. to my first, my first sort of um, dumb question. Um, I was thinking sure. today, like, what was, what's, the first, what, what's the first question I should ask? What are, what, are the, what are the questions I have? And I kept thinking about this experience I had with my friend Jamie Dietz, who... Um, again, wasn't the first gay person I ever knew in my entire life, but was the closest person, the closest friend I had, um, that was openly gay in college. Um, yeah. And I sat down with him and I was like, can I ask you a question? And he's like, yes. And I said, Jamie, when you are laying in bed with your boyfriend, what do you, what's the feeling you have? And he's yeah. like, well, what's the feeling you have when you lay in bed with Stephanie? And I was like, well, I, she's my best friend. I love her. And I you know, would take a bullet for her, all those things. And he just looked at me and he's like, well, that's the same thing. And I was like, oh. Oh, I just never questioned that feeling. And that was the first time I questioned it with somebody else. And he just affirmed that it's the exact same feeling I have just with somebody else. And I was like, okay, well, that's somebody I trust telling me something that I believe. And great, next, next problem. Yeah. For you, one of the things with you know, gender fluidity, for example, with me is something I never, I never questioned whether or not I was a boy. I never questioned whether or not who I was attracted to. Um, like it was never a thing like, why am I attracted to that person? It was just a thing. I was, it was what I felt. I'm curious for you when, how did you feel as a young kid? What was in your head? What were your instincts? What were the, and, and where did you first start to sort of be like, Something isn't jiving with the way society is operating around me, and I need to figure this out. Sure. So it, with me, that is – and this will very much – very quickly become a conversation about mental health as well. Mm-hmm. Because I think there, you know, there's a lot of um, debate about that within both the mental health community and the, the queer community at large when it comes to – and like I said, you should kind of – I'm speaking very broadly just for the sake of conversation, but mm-hmm. queer community being like LGBT, anybody, asexual, anything on that list. I think it does have to do with mental health. Um, and I think there's a part of debate that makes it, we don't want the stigma. And I say we as in like myself, queer community, don't want the stigma of 
us being mentally unwell and that's why we have this thing about us Mm -hmm. because it's not true. You have perfectly, and and I shouldn't say perfectly because it's not, you you can have mental health health issues and be in your own terms perfect. But um, I think, I think it's something where you could have somebody that's neurotypical. Um, We've kind of talked about that. You know what I mean? But when I say neurotypical and neurodivergent at this point, explain, but, but give me the nickel and dime tour. Just say it out loud for me. Um, Neurotypical just relates to um, what, uh, to, pardon the term, a normal person's brain functions. So someone that doesn't have something like autism or ADHD or um, any any kind of um, thing that affects your, your the way your brain processes information. Um, and so I have that. So that's part of it for me is I have borderline personality disorder, which has a lot of stigma in it of itself, but basically I just process emotions differently. Um, I am on the autism spectrum. Um, I, that makes me process emotions differently. It doesn't mean I don't feel them. In fact, I would argue I feel them more than the average person. Um, this kind of part of the, the superpower play of it is, yeah, I get exhausted by just like a conversation sometimes because my emotional meter is so, uh, just, just completely off the charts, just going back and forth. But it does make me really in tune with my emotions and able to kind of be self-aware about it. So there's all that. Um, and I was dealing with all that. I wasn't diagnosed with anything until I was in like, I think it was 22 was when my first diagnosis kind of came through for that. Mm-hmm. So um, in that community, uh, there is, I'm sorry, in the community of like people neurodivergency, which is the opposite of a uh, neurotypical, I should say. That's um, like, you're literally neurodivergent. Your brain is different than the way you process things is different. I kind of see it as like, you know, not to dehumanize either uh, sects of people, but I kind of see it as two different classes of people because like if you're neurotypical, your brain functions this way and you guys get each other and neurodivergent people, everyone I've ever met, we get each other in a way that no one else does. Like it's, it's, it's kind of a, a language almost. It's a culture. And, and that's what it has to do with the overlap of this culture and the overlap of the very new, uh, uh, well, they're both very new, but the very new trans community where we're safe and able to create all these kind of names for ourselves and, and do to it what science has done to every culture and walk of life categorized because that's what humans do. We're just now getting the chance to do it because it hasn't been safe to. So that kind of goes back to the question we were talking about earlier. But for, for me as a kid to talk about the question at hand, um, I had a lot of issues with my emotions. I didn't know what I was feeling and processing. So I didn't know I was anything um, queer until probably in terms of gender high school, in terms of sexuality, probably late middle school. Um, I grew up in a very inclusive home. Uh, home. My mother is bisexual pretty openly. Um, you know, there's the generational, like she didn't tell her kids until a mm-hmm. certain point kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But other than that, she's pretty open about that. Uh, straight father, but also very um, understanding and cool about stuff. Really um, kind of similar to yourself, honestly, in terms of what y- you have as background with the whole, um, you know, like just religious background, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, upbringing. It's very similar. You grew up in Youngstown. Mm-hmm. Um, both are, I think, second ge- generation kids. Uh, lower, uh, not lower. It's I'm the first person my, in my uh, family to go to grad school, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then my parents were like the first ones to get their degree, I'm pretty sure. Um, so that's like, you know, it's it's that kind of background. But them not knowing about the autism and not knowing how to catch that led to me not really knowing about myself that well and kind of mm-hmm. being this brooding, like 
young boy. And this is something that I, I don't, I'm never afraid to dead name myself in the past because I don't see it. It is my own philosophy that it's a dead person. It's, it's just me. I love that person. A lot of people see it in the trans community as like, you know, like, or even people outside of it, like allies talking to trans people about the fact that like, you know, like, Oh, like, do you, do you not like having stuff on your Facebook that's from when you had a beard, for example? And they're like, you look so much happier now. And like, I'm so glad you're not that person anymore, which is kind of hurtful because like that person got me to where I am. That person is the one that did the emotional work to make me feel comfortable as a woman. And that's so difficult. That person went through hell and, and I owe that person a lot. So, you know, to say, yeah, Nick was pretty good at this thing. I don't care. Some people have a a very different approach and they don't want their dead name to be said because it it often, where that line falls, is it often is used as a um, tipping point in any social interaction. So the more you misgender and the more you dead name somebody, the more you give people around them arsenal to bring them down in some way, which is is a scary thing to think about. And it's, some people kind of say it's a little too negative, but like, the fact that I was not, you know, like that I, it, you never know who's listening. So I've been in situations where like people have heard or used the fact that I'm was born male uh, against me in the workplace, for example. And I work at Starbucks, mm-hmm. the most liberal corporation on the planet. And people still will demonize the fact that I'm a trans woman for several, several reasons. Like it, it comes down to, um, them associating it with, uh, like sexual deviancy, mm-hmm. stuff like that, where it's like, I'm, I'm asexual, man. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's, I, I don't have sex. That's, that's how it is. Sorry, sorry if it's too much sex talk on it. I, I, it's an adult podcast. Uh, but yeah, like it, it, people are like, yeah, like it's a sexual deviancy thing. And I'm like, no, it's not, but okay. Um, there's, you know, people that see it as me being wishy-washy. When I changed my name, I got so much flack. Um, because I've gone through like seven names over the years. Um, I went from Nick to Nicole to Nikki to back to Nick. Cause I went back in the closet cause I had a partner in college that was lover, but not very cool with the fact that I was trans at the time. So I went back in the closet for, um, and, uh, yeah, so that happened. Then I came out my junior year. Um, that's when I was really like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. Um, I had a partner at the time, different partner who was not cool with the fact that um, like they were cool with the fact that I was trans going into the relationship. I'm pretty upfront about that stuff, but I was presenting male and I decided mm-hmm. I wanted to start presenting female and she was straight and would not admit to the fact that she was gay, even though we were in a successful relationship for a year. And I was like, what's the difference? It's like, I'm still me. I'm just going to dress differently. And they were like, I can't date a woman. And I was like, okay, cool. That's, that's fine. We wound up actually dating at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Once she kind of came to terms with the fact that she is gay, but she wasn't out. It was all toxic mess. But I decided in that moment, you know what? If this person's not going to love me for who I am, regardless of what I'm doing or wearing or whatever, I'm not going to put myself in this position again where people can leave me because I've transitioned. So I'm just going to get it out of the way now. And then that, you know, one thing to another wound up to me being in the hospital two months later because everybody kind of lost their mind at me a little bit. Um, and, and I don't think people understand, like, to what degree that is. I mean, like, like the, the amount of people that, that 
take time out of their day to be shitty to you because you present differently is astounding. It's you could well, not fathom. Like it. You're ooh, right. It, you're right. It, I can't. I can't fathom. And it. W- one of the things that I mean, as you're talking, that just bums me out. Is it feels to me like the frequency with which you run into these people is more than I could ever imagine in terms of like it's not that I don't have feelings about your or I don't have questions it's just I don't care who my Starbucks employee is like I don't I don't care all I mean if if you're happy you're happy I don't I really don't care how you yeah. present I don't care who you date um so the idea that someone would would have that be a litmus test for whether or not their frappuccino is given to them and they can drink it properly like that that to me feels like just totally batshit crazy and i would yeah. say as best as you can like those people are i would like to think those people are outliers <laughs> um, yeah and that the negativity bias around like just how shitty it is when somebody does something like that and it makes you feel like you know everybody feels that way right and it just like very quickly radiates out into this unhealthy spiral and i think like the thing i'm trying to get to personally is i would love to feel like like the thing i'm like to go back to the dead naming thing for example the thing i would say that is confusing to someone like myself um and i would say i put myself on a spectrum like as you were describing neurodivergence versus neurotypical I there's things in my personality that fit in both. I'm on anti-anxiety medication. I don't process certain things. I process things way differently than some people in my group. How much of that is divergence versus where the Venn diagram of those two things start to overlap and how are we constantly intersecting and weaving in and out of those things on a daily basis? Um, the, the concept around dead naming is something for me that I've always, like... I'm kind of baffled by like it, you and I feel like you explain it in a really beautiful way like that person that's something I don't get to do as a as a non trans person. There's parts of my personality that I'm horrified by and things I've done as a young person that I'm embarrassed about or that I wish I could change but there's something I don't get to say that person doesn't exist anymore. This is me and I'm kind of cu- like that concept is something that for me is very curious because it feels like a real bummer to just ignore, like, or you're throwing away something that is that that you don't want anymore because of something somebody else did, or a perception that society has on this old, the old, you know, the old Ellie, Nick, right? You know, like at some point, like you have to say out loud, like, well, I'm doing that because society told me to do it, not because I actually have to, and that's the thing that yeah, I'm curious that. about, like. Is there a pushback in the trans community around this idea? Like, is there any, is there, are there folks being like, no, 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 no. Like, as part of the health of how you see the world, Nick is just as much a part of, you still carry around Nick with you, right? I mean, and again, like, I'm, I don't want to presume anything here, but that just baffles me that you could be like, well, that person's dead. You know, and you're not saying that, but, you know, the idea that somebody would feel that way is like, Yeah, you know that's that just feels absolutely like like a dire straits for me. You know. Yeah, and I should say I have this philosophy now. I didn't always, Mm. Um, and I'm not going to say that either philosophy is right or wrong. In fact, I think it's a natural progression, to Mm. be honest. Of feeling like, and and you said two things that I I want to play the the killer devil's advocate here and say. You, you, I think what the first one was. 
you don't get to have that experience of that person's gone, that person's dead. Mm-hmm. That's a, I would challenge you that you do because from a speaking from a, I'm going to quote, I'm Buddhist. So I'm going to quote, you know, kind of scripture again, a little bit here, but you're constantly the version of you that exists at this exact moment is constantly dying. It is mm-hmm. constantly changing and evolving. And the version of you that, for example, didn't know what a trans person was, is dead, quote unquote, in the same like that me not knowing I was trans is dead. You know, there's that kind of just because I put a label and a name on it doesn't mean it's, um, you know, this divisive like, okay, here's that period of time. It can if I want it to, if I need it to, because I'm in that stage of healing through that. But like you said, there's all these stupid things that you did. I just consider that one of those stupid things I did as a kid. How funny was it that I was stealing my sister's Polly Pocket dolls? And it's not always like this because gender roles and gender norms are very different too. But uh, gender roles being what society expects you to do and gender norms being uh, a very different thing where it's what society does. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's not bad to have gender norms. I should say that too, because it literally isn't a thing. It's just a fact. It's just girls like doing this thing. Typically in our culture, Mm -hmm. guys like doing this thing, typically in our culture, non-binary folk like doing this thing. Those are norms. That's like, that's a normal thing. Roles are wrong. It's where you expect them to and Mm -hmm. ostracize people Mm -hmm. for not doing so. Um, I think that I was just doing some stupid shit in my childhood, not realizing that I was trans because I was ignorant. I didn't have the tools needed. Um, and so that was where I was going to say like, yes, yes, you're right. I see what you're saying. There's that divisive. Mm-hmm. Now I'm this new person with a new mm-hmm. name and stuff like that. Um, but I think that some people are doing a lot of really difficult healing in the trans community mm-hmm. of, you know, a myriad of mental health problems, abusive situations where they aren't in a place where they can transition safely um, th- there's so many variables I could, I could keep going, but for the sake of it, that's, you know, those are two broad categories that cover a lot. Um, so they don't feel safe transitioning. And so they mm-hmm. then internalize that transition eventually might not get the support of their peers, might get the support of their peers. It depends if they're in those spaces around those people, you know, there's a lot of resources for people, but people don't know that those resources exist and you can't mm-hmm. assume anything about anybody. I don't have a printer. I sometimes don't have internet. I'm a normal middle-class person. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's just is how my life is. But you shouldn't mm-hmm. assume that about people. So it's like, if you can't have access to these things, don't be like, well, why don't you do it yourself? It's like, no, this is, the, you need to be handed the tools to get better, which I feel is the same for both, you know, this situation with trans people of, and I say get better. You're totally fine at whatever state of life you're in. You, there is just a natural progression of being a trans person or being a queer person. You, you figure it out. You have this ambiguous stage where you're kind of like, eh, maybe I'm not, maybe I am. You have this kind of coming into terms with yourself. Mm-hmm. Then you just keep refining that. And then as you grow older, you just keep refining who you are and it's constantly changing and that's fine. I, I, the reason I'm bringing all this up is to say, I don't, I, I sometimes worry not about you, obviously, but uh, about people thinking divisively of like, I can't perceive what you perceive as a queer person. And I would say you can perceive it. You can't experience the exact same experiences I do. But I'm learning quickly that 
while there are the biases of, you know, things in life with the right perspective shift. And if you really try to put yourself in someone else's shoes um, and listen to them and have these conversations with them like this, you can pretty easily perceive what I go through. Like, it's not, it's not to say that it's easy and that it's, it's much easier for you to perceive it because you're just looking at it instead of going through it over the span of 24 years. But mm-hmm. you can, like, you're not, there's not, we're not so different. You and I, you, you've got your stable gender and I've got my ambiguous stack of feelings. Like that's, that's, it's not that bad. Well, I also want to um, like, one of the things that just keeps coming to mind for me is like, yes, I am a straight white man. Well, let's keep, let's keep race out of it. I am a straight man. Yeah. Since we're not, since we're not talking about race, we're just talking about, about I could, and I would like to at some point, but I, that's a different conversation. We have it too, but yeah, that, that, that onion, so, as soon as you start peeling that back, it could be a long podcast. Have but. A difference. There's a difference in cultures in, in the gay white community and in mm-hmm. gay, you know, like it, there's a difference in all cultures mm-hmm. and then there's mm-hmm. subgroups within that, which yeah. I won't get into, but like that does have a play in it. So I'm glad yeah. you're taking that out. Well, <laughs> the, you know, and so, um, I think sometimes the thing that, that I don't want to say irks me, but, uh, I, I'm terrible with words today, Ellie. Um, like, just to push back on what you said, you you were very. It was obvious to you that I have a stable gender, and that it was obvious to you that you have a stack of feelings. And I think for me, the thing that I wonder about is like, I don't. Uh, it's offensive to not again. Like you didn't offend me, but it's offensive to me when the other side looks at me and is like, "Well, it's so obvious what you are." It's like, well, hold up a second, like. For me to for me to buy into what you're selling and be and be on your team, not your again, like not your team, but like for me to be like, yeah, yeah, cool. Tell me about you. When the first thing back at me is like, well, yeah, let me tell you about you. But but for, you know, it's clear you're this. It's like, well, hold up a second. Why is that so obvious to you? Yes, I'm married to a woman. Yes, I prefer to have sex with women. I, it would be an absolute bald faced lie to you, Ellie, if I said to you I never had a thought about having sex with a man. Oh, of course, or I and never, I should. I never wonder. I, I, there aren't days where I'm like, you know, is it that bad? I wonder. You know, like, like it's not. I don't think it's gross at all. Like, I've never tried it. You know, I but does that? You. But does that mean now all of a sudden oh. I don't feel like I fit squarely into this category? And so then I then when I'm I, I feel a little stuck. You know what I mean? And then like, well, if I'm not allowed to have any sort of nuance to my belief system, then neither are you. Damn it! You know, like yeah, and that, no, anyway. I, I'm overreacting here, Ellie. But but no. Proves the point, though, and I'm really glad you brought that up because you did catch me a little bit. Um, I, 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 I should first say I you don't apologize. Have to apologize at all. I'm just this is no. why we're here. We're talking. Um, but I mean, it's good. This is good to, to model the correct way to enter this conversation. <laughs> if I do apologize for assuming anything about your sexuality, no, because mean, even people that you might perceive as straight, you know, men or you know, straight relationships, even where you like you know they're in a straight relationship like yourself, um, one of those people could be bisexual. You don't know. There's people at Pride that look like straight couples. One of them could be trans and just pass way better than you could think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, there, you know, there's so many little nuances. So you should never assume even within the straight cis community. Like, that's um, cisgender meaning just not trans, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it – or, or a, a, you know, more specifically, like, I should go by the actual definitions because it's broad. But someone that identifies as what they were born and assigned at birth mm-hmm. in terms of gender. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of saying that a little – as a, I didn't want to be presumptuous about how I could assume things about you in the sake of conversation. Because like, if, it, if I were talking with someone else, I'd be like, yeah, like, are you this? I just was, I was under the assumption. It wasn't really an assumption. I knew you were straight because of the conversations we had, but also like, 
yeah, you're right. You could, it's a spectrum. There is not a single person that is hundred percent straight unless they identify as like super straight, which is a thing within the community. <laughs> is that, is that a thing? Do people identify as super straight? I've never, <laughs> yeah, it's a thing in the community where it's like, it's kind of a, a bit of a derogatory term. Um, where like it, you, you don't, it's kind of a, a direct opposition to pansexuals or, um, people that are attracted to anybody regardless of gender or sex. Mm. Um, so like myself, I have been with people on dates and then they've been like, Oh, you have different body parts than I thought. I'm no longer interested in you. That person is super straight because they're not, they only like cis, cis men or women. Does that make sense? It's kind of where the, the line draws because like, yeah, I'm a woman. Yeah. I, I, I'm a lesbian. I, that's how, that's how I identify like, there's that's those how, kind of, how you personally identify. Yeah. That's how I personally identify is, well, I mean, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, it's what I closely identify with. You can what, kind of group all this stuff because I, you know, if I weren't in the situation I'm in, I'd mm-hmm. be pansexual, but would, would in the situation I'm in. Would that person that you, and again, like uh, you don't need to go into details about who this is, but like, would, would that person have the same feeling if you were female to male, but hadn't had gender reassignment surgery? So like if they're, if they're, if the thing, what truly was, if their litmus test was the, the genitals, yeah. but you presented as a man, except underneath your pants, there was a vagina. Like what would the conversation have been like then? Do you think? Probably something equally annoying in my opinion. I, I have to say that's the thing. And this is, you know, like everybody that if I'm going to go off on a little rant here, I should say, if, you, if this if this sounds like you or is you, that's okay. You just have some learning to do. Plus, you're allowed to not like, like just as I have a, a you know, this is where the gray ground happens. Just as I have a divergent set of, of anatomy because I am physically female besides like the genitals, basically, mm-hmm. um, the essential part of that that, is flipped. Let's say I was born with female body parts and they had the same experience with me, but I was presenting as male, but they, I, they liked me because I was female. That is equally transphobic. Um, because you know, and they're allowed to not like me, but if they're like, if their mindset of me, and this is the difficult part because I'm like trying to control how someone perceives, which is, it sounds really bad on paper and I'm not trying to control what anyone perceives. I'm trying to educate so they can perceive it in a way that makes less people hurt on a daily basis. Um, when you are perceiving someone not as their gender, that is bad for them. That is a bad time. They can tell most of the time, in my opinion, like, you know, this is me and most of the people I talk to in the community of trans people. If you are, for example, a cis female that is identifying as a, lesbian with a well while actively engaging in a relationship with a trans man you are performing what the buddha calls the root of all evil because you are not correctly labeling yourself then and that's fine you're allowed to have any labels you want like that's the this is the gray area labels can be really good for you if they help you but in this case scenario they don't they don't hurt they they hurt people because that that is invalidating your partner's wish to be perceived as male or, and I say wish to be perceived or, you know, wanting to be perceived. It's not wanting to, it's, it's, I am this, if you're just not, you're, you're actively promoting ignorance in the world when you aren't 
perceiving me that way because I literally am that way. Like biologically, I'm female now. Like complete on a on a like iota level, I am now. So for you to say, let's flip the tables because I'm it's getting tired of the lesbian analogy. Um, let's flip the tables and say like a guy was with me and said, um, which you know I've, I've had this situation happen, has been with me but doesn't want to continue being with me after learning that I don't have female body parts down there but everything else is female, like everything else, it's it, it's really upsetting for me because it's like, what, what, why are you being dumb? Like, what's the, what's the point, you know? Like, and I'm not trying to call people, like all these people, you know, it's, it's ignorance and needs educated. It's okay. Like, I don't want pe- people to feel bad for being dumb, but at that point, you're just like not, you're actively contradicting yourself and I don't have the space or time for that energy in my life. Can I ask That's you kind a, of where I'm at, but yeah, no, no, no. Can I ask you a question? What, what, sure. When you're dating or you're looking at potential, uh, I feel like this is like from the 1950s, you're looking for, for, for potential suitors, you looking know? Like, <laughs> oh, and I what? should say too, I am, I am not enough people are going to hear this. It's fine. I am engaged. So I oh, like, congratulations. She's a cis woman. Sometimes I wonder if she's non-binary because she's androgynous a lot and her fashion is mostly old dad clothes, but you know, whatever. (laughs) When you, is there anything for you personally that were you to be, were a perception that you had of somebody be a deal breaker that you missed a misperception you have? Like what I'm just trying to like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself of like, in that scenario, for me to say out loud, okay, I prefer uh, women with short hair and, you know, athletic builds. You know, that's just where my, my particular, that's what scratches my itch, so to speak, you know. Yeah. Um, there's nothing in there that's a real deal breaker for me in terms of like, you know, one thing. It's a combination of a whole lot of things. Yeah. Um, for me, personality is like kind of takes priority over everything, you know, but for some people that, that is a different, the, the equation is different. I'm curious for you, is there anything that you personally feel is superficial that would be a deal breaker for you that is con- counter, like this idea, I, I guess I'm questioning, I don't think I'm, I'm in a position where I could just be blanket okay with everything a person tells me I have to accept about them. And if I don't, then that's a deal breaker. The idea that I couldn't, that I don't have any questions or, or yeah, you know, like and I'm just, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm kind of curious. It feels like you're kind of could be stuck in this situation of like the somebody else's job. It goes a little bit to me pushing back a little bit on the idea that like it's not my job to teach. It's like, well, no, that's true. I understand yeah. that. I understand, but you also can't go through your life demanding that everybody sees you the way you see yourself in the in your head because that's impossible. Like yeah, if yeah. you present, there's no way Ellie for me to know that you have male genitals at all. Exactly. I yeah. would never know that knowing you, I would see no. you present as a woman. And so if I went through my whole, if I, if you and I were dating or we were hanging out, we were, we were at a gig and I got your phone number, we texted for like six months and then we got down to the nitty gritty and we went on a date and then I, that's the moment. Like I'm just yeah, going to be, if that were to happen. That's my big old fuck up. Well, no, no, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm putting out this like weird outlier scenario here as like the worst case, but like that to me, I guess I'm wondering like in this moment where society is trying to, what is the etiquette there? 
What's the I, what's what's the appropriate way? How do we balance that? Because, like I said, for me, I'm going through my day. I, I don't even think about it. I say woman. I'm like, well, that's a woman, because it's not something that's in my brain that I'm processing on a daily basis. If I find out that Ellie is a man, I'm like, well, okay, fine. I'm not interested in dating Ellie, but I have zero qualms with Ellie babysitting my kid or walking my dog or playing cards yeah. or playing a gig. Like, though, how do we negotiate that? I think what separates your ability to do that, and I think what you like, what we just did is perfectly acceptable. Like I, I should start by saying the way you're perceiving for the most part, almost like, you know, in the day-to-day life that I can assume you'll go through, um, you know, it's safe to categorize however your brain wants to categorize it. Cause that's the ticket. You literally have a different brain than every other person on the planet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're going to categorize in a different way and that's fine. And I, I, I do like what you what you said. Like if I don't communicate, and that's what I think it boils down to is communication and and um, knowing that there's an issue to be aware of in the first place. Mm-hmm. Those are the big things that make it etiquette wise. You're safe. Like you, you're fine. As long as you're acting from a place of actively trying to do the work on yourself, which and I hate when people say that term because it's like, you know, I have to do some, I have to do this work on myself so I can be better in the workplace for this. It's like, no, you're, you're doing this for way broader reasons. And if you're doing it just so that you can like, you know, feel better about it in the workplace, not to attack you, but then you need to like kind of deepen your perception because it's like, it's, I, you have to broaden your gaze a little bit <laughs> to go with that. Like you really have to look at it like, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's not that difficult. You have this spectrum of you, you have like three spectrums basically. Is this kind of answering your question a little bit of like breaking down? Yeah. I mean the thing, the thing I'm that, curious about is like the um, like where uh, I guess the like do your work, do the work on yourself thing. Like um, to me, the work, like this is my, this is maybe I'm, and I don't want you to feel like I'm using you for this, but like I am a very uh, aural and visual learner. Um, and I learn by being in the room and making a mistake or playing the wrong clave pattern and having Michael Spiro crawl up my butt about it, you know, like, Oh, okay. Like I could read about a two, three clave all day, but until I I have a hard conversation, this this isn't a hard conversation until I make a mistake in a conversation with somebody or, and I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. Like you said the word queer a bunch. Um, there's a friend of mine who's 55 years old and would have been beaten up in a back alley because of that word. Yeah, when he yeah. was a kid. So when I hear that word, I I, I cringe on behalf of him because yeah. now there's a generational mix. There's a generational gap I'm seeing in terms of how the, the lexicon is used. Where younger folks yeah. use that word very readily, and my friend my friend is like, "Don't you dare say that word around me. That is not your word." You know, in the same way that the black community feels about the N word sometimes. You know, yeah. so. For me, what what in terms of etiquette again, just to take it back to this, because I think this is where a lot of folks get tripped up. Like, when is it okay? When is it okay to ask a question, and how is it okay to ask a question? What is the right way for for me in a conversation if if I have a question or I'm confused about something? How does one broach that subject? Again, knowing yeah. that the context is like you don't just ask a total stranger like, "Hey, you trans," but like if you have somebody in your life, how do you how do you broach that conversation so so that the the base platform upon which it's all happening is one from you know genuineness and um, lack of fear? And I say that that the other you know I have as much responsibility there too in this conversation as the trans person, you know. So yeah, I think I think it definitely all boils down to 
context. Um, equal parties taking ownership of, you know, facility in the conversation. <laughs> like it's, it's just being a decent person. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's, I, I always go back to, and this is that book I'm going to send you a little shameless plug for, I don't even know how old he is now, but Robert Fulgham's, oh, uh, I, I, got it. I bought it already. Oh yeah. Cool. Read that book. Um, but literally all you need to learn, all you need to know in life, you learned in kindergarten, just mm-hmm. be polite. Hey, what are your pronouns? What's your name? Mayamo S. Ellie. Like that's it's the first thing you learn because it's a culture, it's a language, it's this own thing where you can treat it the same way we do every other learning of a culture. Start off by literally asking the next time you're in a conversation with somebody, the next six conversations you have that are new, ask them their name. Like, and this is something so people people are so afraid to be social these days, which I get. It sucks. As an autistic BPD person who is usually ostracized in some way, I went down to my, my I, I should talk to, about this a little bit. I went down to my partner's hometown, which is in uh, like Loudville, like way like down there, Perrysville kind of thing. Uh, and I was stared at everywhere I went. I was the only trans person that has ever been in this town. I went to church service with them. I shook the pastor's hand and talked to him and he was so uncomfortable and I was so happy because it's just, it's funny to me that, 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 that person still exists in the world. And I have to make it funny because I'm, you know, I'm trying to be a good sport about it and not be brooding all day. That could have made like that situation. It, I'm, I'm at that point in my healing and my journey, mm-hmm. that situation could have killed somebody literally. So it's such an important thing to just, when you're creating with somebody, Hey, I didn't catch your name. Also, what are your pronouns? Boom, done. You're done. That's it. Then they'll talk about more. And the whole, you know, you don't want somebody to educate you thing. If you, hey, sorry, my cats are fighting. Um, that, that's a fine line of contextuality. or con, It's a contextualized fine line is what I'm trying to say. I also cannot talk. Mercury's in retrograde for like another couple days. I can't do that. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah. So w- w- when you're doing something, oh my god, my stammer is even coming out. I, 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 I this is a hyper focus of mine. So you're it's doing kind fine. of fine. You're doing fine. Um, stress. So when you're uh, when you're in a situation and you ask for someone's pronouns and they dwell on it, cool. Yeah, that's an open book. You can talk to them. You have to read that situation carefully, though, because if you're dwelling on it or you are in your head saying, "I really want to figure this out." Or you're trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You're giving energy and power to that thought, which I always say like words are power. For some people, your inner lo- monologue is a monologue. And you might have a thought, and that's okay. That is something like, is that person trans? Like penis? Yes, no, question mark, like that thing. But like your brain does that. But it's your second thought after that. When you're speaking, it's different. You should be correct. And if not, fix it. When you're thinking, don't ever be ashamed of the first thought you have. The second thought is what you're actually thinking. That's I, I always I think, say that. I think what you just said actually hit for me a little, like because there's there's something you said that that I want to I want to I want to assume both are true. If the idea that in interaction with somebody, a, you know, a trans person who has had experiences in their life that make them feel a certain way about themselves or other people, like how do if the if the possible ramifications of me saying something wrong or that it could literally kill somebody, 
to me that then gives me pause in that thinking moment of like, oh fuck, like what, like there, there's a huge repercussion there to me doing this thing wrong, which then feeds into my inaction or my freezing in a conversation. And, uh, you know, there, there's one, and again, where I, where I get tripped up sometimes again is around the, the rapidity with, or the, the rapidness with which this moves through, especially in the trans community, but then how it seeps out into the rest of the world I was on a call the other day, and there was a, and again, I'm not going to get more specifics in this, but there was a person on the call who I think was trans, um, but a very specific one, and said, my pronouns are any pronoun, but you cannot use the same pronoun twice in a row, and if you do, that's dead naming. And there was a moment, Ellie, where I was, I, I felt like we had jumped the shark a little bit, where I was like, wait a minute, so now you're asking me to keep track of which pronoun I called you a second ago so that I don't trip up and offend you on the second go around. And I just thought to myself, like, is there a point, again, I'm going to say the thing here that is immediately going to get me in trouble. I was about to say it, so it's okay. Sometimes, sometimes someone can be just out of their mind and absolutely want to monopolize a room and use it as a power play. And that in that moment, I felt like, you are just making me do a dance right now because somebody made somebody else said something to you a while back, and I get it. I understand you're upset, but like, you it doesn't cross your mind that that is an absolutely inappropriate thing to ask a room full of thirty people to track for an entire hour long conversation. And I, like, yeah. and I just sat there and was like, okay. And so you know what I did? I just didn't call on him, Ellie. I just yeah. didn't, I didn't engage. And like, and so is that you know? But now am I transphobic? And like, that's the quandary I'm I'm caught in a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Is how do, how do I how do you? <laughs> I don't want to offend this person, but how do I? But but the person set this massive trap up, and I'm like, oh Jesus Christ! How do I get around this? You know? Yeah, I think uh, if I were in that situation, let me let me start with like twofold. Let me set this up because I need to make sure that like I I, I got to keep my facility in saying. For the most part, I can go ahead and say, A, as a trans person who is an activist in the trans community, mm-hmm. you're not transphobic, A. What you did, you know, could be seen that way. And that, and that's, you know, that's that's okay for them to perceive that and you need to let it go if they did. But then actively try to not do that in the, in the future. So, like, and that's me giving us this advice, but you're asking for it. So, I, I like, in that situation, I would have just been like, like when they when asking for pronouns or whatever, that's great. The next step is when they say that, I would just be like, I'm not gonna lie, I'm level with you. I will mess that up, but I will help, I will every single time try to fix it if you give me the right one. And then just let it be a kind of a game for that person. Because like they probably can't keep track of that either. And you know, it could have been a statement. Like you said, like if someone, you know, goes through that shit. And then spent their whole life dealing with that. Mm-hmm. They deserve in any moment in the present to be perceived in any way that they want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. And if they were doing it with the intent to put you in that position specifically, I'm not, I don't know this person, I don't know the situation. If they were doing that with the intent to specifically trip you up and you, beyond any reasonable doubt think that in that situation and i think this is a very broad this is my next kind of Mm. statement here it's an issue in the queer community at large to go back to that by the way yeah usually i'd say if you're not queer don't use it 
it's it's that kind of thing but um when you're in the queer community at large there there is this kind of balancing act of especially as a trans woman because people so often will take not being actually trans um because it, it's like a look-alike plant in the wild when you have like something that you could eat and it can be delicious and awesome or something that you can eat that will literally kill you and kill all the people around you that's this pe- that's this person so let's uh, let's make an analogy here where that person was intentionally trying to harm you or they were just doing it because it was funny they are harming the community actively and other trans people also think it's bullshit because and you know i'm not trying to erase genders that is a thing that is great if they do it in a way that is helping them and make their life happier but as soon as they have that perception flip where they're like, I'm going to make this a thing to trip up this white guy, this cis white guy that's teaching this class, I would argue to say fuck you a little bit. Well, because I, I want to be bothers me as a trans person because I'm just trying to exist. And then you're making it difficult so that the next time that person interacts with, the person you're attacking, interacts with, so you for this example – me they're now afraid of how to approach that situation and that is counterproductive i think that's the reason and sorry it took me 58 minutes to get to that particular nut of why what frustrates what frustrates me about the whole conversation in general why like why do i have this deep well of empathy for for folks who are who who experience this stuff on a daily basis like yourself but then also why do i completely understand the sort of throwing your hands in the air from folks who don't understand it and don't have any, like this town in Loudonville, like that pastor just may have never like, yeah, just you go through your whole life. And if you just, if it never crosses your path, it never crosses your path, you know, like, yeah. and, and I should even, I, I, I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. uh, when I was talking about how, like, I loved that moment. Mm-hmm. That was because I'm non-binary. They, you know, when somebody doesn't know how to interact, I, I, I do present female, mm-hmm. um, but I am non-binary. So I prefer she pronouns in most situations because mm-hmm. it's easier. But, you know, I, I do use they pronouns and I alternate between she and they. Mm-hmm. I have some friends that are dynamite about that. Like what you just said, they alternate between she and they with me. And it's awesome. And I love it. And it makes me feel good because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I my gender is fluid. I, I don't look at it that way. But um, and I wasn't mad at him for perceiving it that way. It was mostly because the the, pra- the pastor prior, um, I, I we were just kind of we were enjoying the church service, but also he was a very, he was not preaching any, anything out of the Bible. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I interacted with him, I was like, I bet he's not going to, I was talking to my partner. I was like, I bet he's not even going to look me in the eyes. And I'm not kidding. This guy shook my hand, said, thanks for coming. Mm-hmm. And then looked me up and down and went, so Lydia and like talked to her doxing my girlfriend, but whatever. Um, and, and I was just like, cool that's great and then went and talked to somebody else like mm-hmm. it's annoying but i'm not going to dwell on that moment i could have made a scene but that would have made it difficult for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. so there's no point and mm-hmm. and if that person made a scene about it if you did ma- make a mistake they're right they're right to in the same way that if i cut you off in tra- traffic you might get road rage like mm-hmm. it's the same thing mm-hmm. it's it's just we don't have to divide it you know it's charged that's the difference is mm-hmm. that you know, you say like, why do I have this deep well of empathy? Well, it's because you're an empathetic and good person. And because these people have been through challenges on a daily basis that, that you don't have to deal with. 
and that's you know that's where you where you lack the experience you fill it in with empathy that's that's what life is so I mean, yeah i mean that, that i want to be clear about the 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 person on the zoom call i i, I don't I think I'm. I have a. I had a an emotional reaction to that moment, which is not always that. My feelings aren't proof of anything. Like I don't have proof that this person was doing it to be malicious. No, it was. What, would, what it was to me was a symptom of like. It's appropriate for this person. This person feels it's appropriate to have us all stop for five minutes so that they can explain this incredibly detailed thing about their pronouns, and because of a fear of avoiding pers- their personal trauma. And in that moment, I was like, okay, okay, okay. Like if we, w- how do we do this with everybody? You know, how much, how, uh, like w- where, where the etiquette hit here is and, and reading the room and knowing where, how much, you know, how much, how much any one room has to sort of adjust to your personal beliefs and how we, how we, you know, beliefs or feelings or, or who you are. It just like in that moment, I had a, I, I, it really felt like it. It was a hard moment for me because I, in that moment, I was like, "Man, somebody needs to tell you that." Like, forget about the fact that you're that this person was trained. Like, that's just you don't get to shut a whole room down for five minutes and make everybody do the thing you want them to do on the very first meeting. Yeah, you know, like, a, that, like I just was like, I mean, but it, it, you know, context. sorry. Like, like I said, yeah. contact, like if they did it in a professional way, go off. That's dope. I could cut that. I could cut that speech down into 15 seconds, mm-hmm. but that's me. And I, I don't know that person. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they're at perceptionally. So it's a, it's a, it's a, you're right. It's a tricky slope of inclusivity mm-hmm. versus, well, you know, in the, in the perceived, the thing I hear a lot is, a, is the, like the talk of power dynamics. And those are things too, that, that I, yeah. I, I understand, but I think, I guess I will <laughs> Don't underestimate how much power you actually have in a situation. I say this to people all the time. Like you have way more leeway in in any room you're in than you actually think you do. And in some instances, I worry that like that person, I think the thing that scares me is like this person is a student or whatever. Like, wow, like you are, you really have to be careful with how much, power you wield in any one room because people just don't want to be around a person who's swinging a sword all day. Yeah. And, and like, you know, that person, that, that person has some, like I, I genuinely do like, since we're, you know, I was using an analogy, but I should say, I genuinely hope that that person has somebody in their life that will eventually question them in a way that they feel safe and can process that Mm -hmm. emotion of why they're doing that. And, and sometimes people don't get there and that's, and yeah. you know, that's its own thing spiritually in my opinion. But, you know, I really, I genuinely hope that somebody, family member might just bring up casually a conversation and say, hey, what's the point of doing that? Like, what do you want to do about that? And they'll eventually talk themselves into, or they'll exhaust themselves, which I've done mm. into doing a simpler route because they don't have the energy for that today. Like mm. that's, that's what I do. Sometimes I'm just yeah. like, yep, she, like, well, and that's the thing that, like, that, that's what, like, I took the simpler out, Ellie. Yeah. With them. And that's, I don't think, I don't think it's, yeah, fun. but, I, it, but it, but it's lazy and it doesn't do anybody any good. That's the problem. Like, yeah, I think a I, lot of people take the simpler out when having, when engaging with this stuff because it's just, <laughs> you know, but that's, yeah. but it's like, it's, it's a whole series of lazy people taking the easy way out, you know. Um, yeah. And I, I say it's, that's not wrong as in, <clears throat> 
you know, you shouldn't beat yourself up for it. Is it the best? No, there's better options. As an educator, you want to strive to be inclusive in every space of any walk of life, no matter what they bring to the table. And if you have to sit through a class of, you know, this is context again, 17 college students telling you exactly what their neo pronouns are, which neo pronouns are, you know, pronouns are the basic he, she, him, or they, that kind of stuff. Um, they, them. Uh, neo pronouns refer to uh, ones that are derived in uh, Native American cultures, which are like the Z and the Seasons whole, like that, or... that whole ear, that kind of thing. Um, or, you know, neo pronouns can uh, be people that don't want to have pronouns that are, that go by it. Um, they use all pronouns interchangeably. They use them in a cycle, like you said. Those are neo pronouns, and I think neo pronouns are totally fine. And I think that it's something that we need to adapt to as educators. And there are tons, like you said, you're not a visual learner, so conversations are best. Um, but there are still resources and videos to listen to about this kind of stuff. It's not hard to Google search this kind of thing. It, it's you just got to know the right buzzwords. Um, and buzzwords meaning like things that will lead to other rabbit trails. So when you, if you search neo pronouns, you have to know what to look for. Don't search for like some article talking about what they are or why they are. Just look at what they are and then educate yourself and have your own perception of it. If Mm. you take yourself to be a not, you know, a a person of sound mind like yourself, like I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Googling. What does this mean? Like, that's not take a second do it why not like it's not that hard um which which is not to attack you but just to say to anybody like i have i have teachers that are that i work with that are like like i had a student that was non-binary and i knew before the teachers did and i worked with them one day a week and the teachers worked with them six days a week and i said to the teacher this person's new name and the teacher was like i've never heard that before and i've been using this name the whole year mind you And they were just like, I never knew that before. And I was like, yeah, they use they pronouns. And she just didn't know, like, that that was a thing. And she claimed ignorance, but I was like, why didn't you look it up? Like, do you not think about these things? You know, there's that. Well, I think, but I think. How much I have to spend on this thing versus, you know. Well, this is the, the, again, like the, there's the things that seem obvious to you because you're in it every day. True. I mean, man, uh, sorry, sorry, Ellie. <laughs> I was say, like, man, man. Um, man is, is the solution one I said. You know, talking to my mom about this stuff, she was a school teacher. Um, like, stuff, the way language and culture and ex- stuff sort of gets to different parts of the country, or just even keeping the U.S., different, different parts of the country, it just gets there different ways. It gets there faster and slower, and I think it is incumbent. I do worry a little bit about the educate yourself mantra. And I see this around race a lot too. Um, yeah, I, I, where, I agree. Like, yeah, I do. I recognize the. I divide. mean, I think, I think assuming that somebody like, what well, you just didn't look this up. It's like, well, no, I mean, why would I wake up every day? Why would I wake up with the intuitive desire to Google Zim and Zer? Unless it was something that I had to grapple with on a daily basis, or unless it was, yeah. there was a student who was engaging with it and I had to figure that out. Um, that presumption, I think, is dangerous, and it leads to this this feeling that, well, you don't get it, so you must be phobic, and if that person needs to be educated and taught. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, Ellie, but you're my best teacher right now. No, like, exactly. I can go read a book. I can I can Google Zim and Zer and the history of that stuff, but until I have a nuanced conversation with a friend, 
you know, that's where, that's where now I'm going to be like, okay, now which, which specific book should I look to? What is the most helpful book? Is it really the one that I just Googled randomly and came to me from the daily wire or Fox news? Because I don't know, you know, like, you know, this is, this is the problem. It's like people can Google stuff all day and then you get there and you're like, well, that was shitty information. It's like, well, no one told me like, yeah, I'm just Googling. I, I panicked last year during the middle of like I had like a snap in mental judgment because I was like I can't believe any of the information anyone's giving me because everyone's trying to sell me something or (laughs) in this like loop of of like we're constantly being and this is for another podcast time but constantly being advertised to at all Mm -hmm. times which is such a toxic thing Mm -hmm. um but yeah no I I think you're totally right in feeling that way and I think it does fall down to the whole context thing like i keep saying like it it, since you don't interact with it on a daily basis you know if you had three students in one of your classes when we start in the fall that are presenting with neo pronouns then yes absolutely look it up but if you don't don't waste your time on that it's fine you don't need to and it it also comes down to what kind of person you want to be like if if you want to be the kind of person to do that if you want to be the kind of teacher that you know, in a school full of teachers that they're taking classes from, if you want to be the cool one that like recognizes them and makes them feel heard and makes them want to learn, which in my opinion, every teacher should want, mm-hmm. then yeah, it takes a little extra work. And it's not as a teacher, I can say like, yeah, it's not fair, but it's just, we're, we're the ones that are literally teaching the next generation of people and trying to learn from it them at the same time, because they, they, it is a, as all things are in science, like if we were in a scientific field, for example, I think this is different because we work so much with people. Our mm-hmm. product is people mm-hmm. and sounds that they can produce. Um, when you work with science, you're constantly updating stuff and you're constantly re- researching it and making sure you have the top information, right? Mm-hmm. Why not any other field? When you're doing stuff in music, you're you know, figuring out what the best you know, methods books are. You're constantly updating it cool, I'll, I'll shoot you three books and then, you know, like uh, to, to have like a breakdown of gender and they can be, you know, um, I always say the, the, the quickest route is to getting all the people around you to think a similar way to you or to even just like learn a new thing like that socially or culturally is to just actively talk about it constantly. Mm. Like, and, and not ad nauseum, but just don't be afraid to be an activist, like in that sense. So if you, you know, don't, there's that, that balance. If you don't want to make a big deal out of it, because it could be exhausting or traumatizing for somebody, but just read the room, like say, Hey, I want to talk about this real quick, because I think that's important for us to have it out of the way. Mm. And then bring it up in a classroom. Like I told my students, I was trans. Some people might tell you like, that's not okay. Mm. They shouldn't be learning that. It's not teaching them anything. It's a thing that radically exists. Like it just is. You have to accept that. Mm-hmm. And 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 I'm. It's it's one of those things where like, it, it. Yeah, we we say you don't have to accept. You know, everyone's got their own opinions and their own beliefs. But if your belief system is actively saying someone shouldn't exist in theirs, we have literally the entire history of the planet to tell you that that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's- no, I agree. I agree with you 100. percent Everything you're saying, and I think, you know, the 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 thing that I wish 
people could do a little bit better. And this is something I challenge myself to do all the time when I'm teaching. It's like, yeah, I have my personal beliefs. I have my ethos, the way I personally would operate in the world. Yeah. And then I have to look at my room full of 30, 30 kids and figure out what's the way I can get all 30 of them moving forward in the healthiest way. Um, and, you know, and I have students. English on I said without adding your own little English on it too, because well, we're doing yeah. the feeling where I don't want my students to go on if they're teachers and do the same things that my teachers did to me. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I have to actively change stuff in my head. Like we're always editing. Yeah. Cont- and you know, and sometimes you have students who come up to you and are like, I'm having a, you know, I'm having a bad day. I, you know, I, can I not be in rehearsal today? You know, and those are moments where as a teacher, sometimes I have to make a judgment call of like, no, actually be in the room. It's better for your, it's actually going to be better for your mental health if you're in the room rather than yeah. languishing in the stairwell by yourself, you know, and those calls are hard to make, but I'm trying to make them in the best interest of the students. And I have, I have folks who are non-binary. I have folks who are trans. Um, I slip up in class all the time. I think the thing though, that I try to model is like you said earlier, owning it and moving on as quickly as possible and trying to make the normalcy of that to have they and them be as normal in the room as he or she or they. And yeah, I just say they, know. them for everybody these days. And Cause I had to train my train, train myself to do it. My best mm-hmm. friend at work came out as non-binary. Mm-hmm. Everyone's they, them now. <laughs> Unless yeah, they, they said they don't want to be called that. And it's something so. that, that I had to practice, you know? Um, yes, it's not, yes, there are times that you use they and them in, in grammatical ways that make sense that are countered, you know, like I get it. Like, well, you use they and them in many, give it, you know, go give the, the rock to them. And you're talking to one person over there, but sometimes anyway like to me that was a that was a thing i had to detangle in my head a little bit um i wasn't detangling like bigotry i wasn't having to sort of it was just a grammatical thing that my tongue just did all the time since i was five you know (laughs) but in, in a classroom setting like trying to normalize that correction in the same way that i would normalize correcting someone on a c sharp versus a c natural like have all this stuff just be like you know, and what are we in the room for? We're in the room to make music together and to, and it, yeah, if you got a belief system that feels like this trans person is less than you, get the fuck out of my room. I don't have time yeah. for this shit. Like, if you have questions, that's a different thing. And we can, yeah. we can set up a scenario in there, you know, so that we can learn. But I mean, there, there is a line. I do have a red line of like, you know, I have questions too. I just asked a bunch of dumb, dumb ones and expressed opinions to you that I don't even fully believe yet. That I'm just like I I I either believe more or less now because you and I talked. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, if somebody joined the Zoom call and was like, "Well, Ellie, I think you need to transition back to being a man and like get over yourself," I'd be like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Like, yeah. like this is there there this is nom smoky. There are, there are rules. Like you don't get to just tell somebody that they don't get to exist. You know. Yeah. Um, well, Ellie, I I don't. I really, I've robbed you of an hour and 50, 16 minutes of your life here, and I genuinely appreciate it. And I feel like we could pick up on episode two and just keep going if you if you would be up for it. Um, there's there's some specific things I would love to just drill down on some more specific things that that we sort of talked about today. But I, in general, like what, where do you see just to wrap up? Like what, how have you seen the progress of? the way that society is thinking about this stuff, talking about it, dealing with it. Um, like I said, for me, it was 2006 was my first 
time I had to sort of grapple one-on-one with what being trans was, having to look at somebody that I called a she their whole life and now call them he. Like, that was the first time where I was like, well, wait a minute, why, oh, you know. In 15, 16 years now later, I see a lot of progress, but there's also a lot of, like, unintended things that I was like, whoa, I had no idea that was going to be the, the way this played out, you know? Like, yeah, for you in your life and having thought about this every day, what are the... What are the what are the, what's the progress that you track? Um, I think if any, um, I don't want to assume that there's progress either. You know, like yeah, no, I think there's there's definite progress. Um, I can kind of sum that up with a story, but just to get it out in the open, I had a teacher. Like I said, I went to a school that was kind of a carbon copy of Akron, so a good high school um, in terms of music program. And I had a teacher that I looked up to immensely. Um, a woman in the directing position of top band, lovely person. In 2015, I was in uh, an IB class. Or I wasn't in the IB class, but I was like, after the IB class had ended, I was taking like a dual credit class or something. Some upper level music stuff, like mm-hmm. theory or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to her about the fact that I wanted to go into music. And she basically tried to talk me out of it because I was trans. Um, and because she didn't think I would make it as a, as a teacher because it's so difficult. And that was in 2015. Mm-hmm. And this past spring, I went back to my high school to see their steel band concert, um, which by the way, this high school has two steel bands, five jazz bands, and I'm pretty sure four concert bands. Oh my God. So it's awesome. <laughs> Good crazy. program. Yeah. Um, and I saw the growth cause it wasn't that way when I was there, it was mm-hmm. pretty good, but not that good. I, I, you know, I went back to this school to see this and they had offered me the job as a director there as a presenting trans woman, mm-hmm. welcoming me home, very imagine a homecoming thing, like where you're like, you come home after going to college for four years and you see your band director, very sweet moment, hugs mm-hmm. all around, correct mm-hmm. pronouns, correct name, everything. Mm. So I have hope. Mm. That is to say that that was a community that I kind of built a little bit. I was the first trans person out in that high school, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. In high school. A lot of people transitioned after. But I was like one of the first. And now I see them left and right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a really good experience for me. Mm-hmm. I think, like all things, when you broaden the test pool like the petri dish a little bit more things can happen and i think the importance is as our country is moving into this remembering that yes things are better but they are still an active battle for most people and we still don't have rights there are still certain states where i cannot get my medicine in fact this state paid for by my insurance i have to pay an exorbitant amount for medicine every day um, that I have to take in order to not transition. It's not medicine. It's not like boop, mm-hmm. these pills make your boobs grow. It's like this gives you energy to get through the day um, because I'm taking synthetic hormones. Was that my choice? Yes, but also no, because it was suicide prevention, because I was actively not feeling good in my body and this medicine changes things to suck a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I have a period now, but like so does cis women. So it's like, you know, I, I wanted this. I signed up for it. Um, but we, there's those things that people don't think about that, you know, I still can't 
there's there's certain states where you can't change your name legally. It's mm-hmm. that that uphill battle. Yeah. So it just just recognize that there is a lot of work to be done still. And even though there are situations where things are changing at a at a rapid pace and it's it's kind of like this upheaval of new information, mm-hmm. wade through it. Because new information is often good information these days. And if it's not, you just need to find a way to siphon through it and, and make it good information. Like you can you can talk about how there are shooting killings of trans people. Like black trans women of color are the most endangered person in America still to this day. Like I, I don't remember the statistic, but they die at an exorbitant rate compared to any other uh, any other subsect of people. So understand that and know that we did you know do a lot of uphill walking with a stone so that we can run now and say and have all these fun things and neopronouns but know that we came from a spot not too long ago kind of like in the pan community where people died to make it happen and people are still dying to make it happen Mm -hmm. so just know that and that's that's the like there's hope it's getting good Mm -hmm. but we have to keep it's a constant fire that we have to keep stoking every day and if you stop stoking it, it will go out. Um, one of my one of my favorite quotes ever is, and I forget who it's by, and that's a bad shameless plug, but um, is uh, that the evil did not go away. We simply let it grow back in our apathy. Hmm. I think that is a very tying thing to this this social movement. It, it, it's never going to disappear. You just have to keep at it. That's well, just how- I, I, I agree with everything. I endorse that approach wholeheartedly. Um, and I think part of that, part of that advocacy and activism, um, and I would say this too for folks, um, maybe that more are in the camp than I'm in, which is I'm here, but I have, I'm curious about some things and I'm, I want to understand, I want to understand, I want to, I want my tools, my ax to be sharpened better. And I want, I want the tools with which I talk about this stuff, I want my feelings about it to be as appropriate as possible and as educated as possible and know where, you know, in talking with you, it's like, where does the trans community think that people within their community are, are wrong on issues so that I can better understand when I'm hearing stuff from the community, like, who is actually speaking with authority here in a way that I should be perceived, like... If you get all white people up and say, talk to me about race, it's like, well, yeah, there's going to be some white people who say some batshit crazy stuff that I am not going to agree with, you know, like, you know, and they they are living a white experience and they have authority in some way, but like, man, we shouldn't trust them. Like, so to me, I'm not asking for folks you you shouldn't trust within the community, but like it has, it helps me sort of understand better why I feel the way I do and how I can better how I can be better and learn and, and have conversations. And I think part of this activism involves doing exactly what we did, which is have conversation where we both, you pushed me on some things. I pushed you on some things and we're both here and neither of us yep. died. And <laughs> Oh know. yeah. I love this. I can do this all day. And I would love to go into a, an episode too. I unfortunately can't today, but yeah, I would I love to. Sadly, I cannot either. Ellie. And, and well, let's, let's take a rain check on it. Let's, let's, let's say this is part one. Um, and we'll pick up and, and, and I want to sort of, uh, I would love for the next conversation to be one that's maybe more driven by you in terms of like sure. things you want to talk about rather than me being like, here's the things I'm curious about. Like what are things that you feel yeah. important that aren't being talked about and that, um, you know, 
where's an issue I'm completely wrong on. Like I would love for <laughs> us, to, I would love for us to get to the point where like you and I are like, nope, we ain't going to see eye to eye on this. Like, like yep. it exists somewhere. I don't know where it is yet. We haven't found that yet. But to me, that's that is where the interest in humanity comes for me. Yeah, and that's same. how I think we get closer to each other is getting to the point where we're both in each other's face, being like, we don't agree, but we're on a podcast, so we're not going to fight. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. if that's the context that we can we can do this in, I to me that's a gift from the gods. So, yeah, um, Ellie, sure. stay healthy, stay safe, and um, I really, really appreciate your time. And just one final thing to wrap up: where is there a website or a resource that you like? Like if someone has five minutes and they they have never even heard the word trans, they have no idea what it is. Like, what's a resource somebody could go to to just dip their toe in the water and, and start their education if they want to? Sure, yeah, I pulled this up. Um, it's kind of a mouthful, but there. Um, this is good for if you're a teacher, if you're a person that just has questions about yourself, mm-hmm. or you just want to know more about it. There's a website called LGBTQIA. So. You know, the alphabet mafia, as we call ourselves. <laughs> um, healtheducation.org. Okay. Um, that's a really good resource. They have a bunch of stuff on the web just about, um, in general, what the name suggests. Mm-hmm. Queer spaces, health about that, resources. And then it also has um, a, le- a learning resources kind of area where they give you a lot of resources. And when I say resource within the trans community, that's ways you can get a oh, gender affirming clothing, gender affirming healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's surveys that you can take. Um, I took, I, I participated in the light study survey where I literally got an HIV test every six months mm-hmm. and they sent me 50 bucks because, you know, there's a higher proportion of, you know, HIV within the trans community, whatever. Um, but it's one of those things. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff on here. It's, it's a lot of words, so for yourself, visual learner, it's maybe not the best. Um, I would also just say, look, look on YouTube and, and and look around trans people talking about this stuff. Because these resources are great, but they're often put together by a board of neurotypical white people sometimes. This one I don't believe was. I'm pretty sure this is, I, I, there's an About Us pre, uh, page, but I, I haven't looked over the entire website. I don't scour it, but I give this to people usually. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um you know, you can also look at the, the, depending on where you're at, there's a lot of public resources or local resources. Um, look for pride clinics mm-hmm. or things like that that might be popping up in the area. You can just quick Google search pride clinic and they'll have resources on a lot of those clinics. Um, so yeah, thank you for having me as well, Josh. It's always a pleasure. You did not rob an hour from me. I enjoy talking way more than you probably realize. Um, <laughs> and yeah, thanks for doing the, the hard work and, not being transphobic, actively not being transphobic, because that is a thing. I, I don't understand people who are actively racist or like, you know, I'm afraid of things, you know, like I, I'm afraid of, you know. Um, and I just, I'm sorry, not actively transphobic, actively anti-transphobic is what I meant to say. <laughs> no, yeah, just- I, I don't understand the method, the ideology of people who are, who, who, who feel like the thing they need to on every day is their phobia and their racism or bigotry that that's that's a baffling concept to me but but i i am very grateful for you being willing to let me ask the questions from from points of ignorance from my behalf and so i'm grateful for that and i and i hope that that's something you continue to do because if it helps me it's going to help a million people um and again i don't require that of everybody in any every situation but don't 
asking okay. <laughs> yeah don't underestimate how important that can be um to yeah. the to the conversation 20 years from now um so anyway ellie thank you so much stay healthy and i will really look forward to doing episode number two here shortly sure you too be well right. see you, you too bye bye Okay, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Liquid Drum, liquiddrum.com down in Waco, Texas. Uh, my good friend Todd Meehan runs an amazing percussion company down there. Great merch, great content. Check him out, liquiddrum.com. Also, Kyle Dunleavy, dunleavypans.com, D-U-N-L-E-A-V-Y pans.com. Kyle Dunleavy makes and builds all the steel drums that I perform and teach on uh, in so percussion as well as at NYU and Princeton. Uh, he's an amazing, amazing tuner builder, um, just a really nice guy, very dependable. Check him out. If you are interested at all in steel pan advocacy, uh, want to learn more about the goings-on uh, in pan in Brooklyn, check out paninmotion.com. My good friend Kendall Williams, uh, Jerry Guy, Trisha Guy, and uh, Arisha John run an amazing organization called paninmotion.com. Check him out. And finally, Aleandre Mirage runs an amazing uh, clothing apparel company in Brooklyn that is steel pan-centric. You can check him out at mangochowclothing.com. I own a bunch of his shirts. They're amazing, very stylish, uh, beautiful, beautifully made. Check them out, mangochowclothing.com. Okay, hope you're well. Talk to you soon. Bye.